Thanks for those kind words. That's really cool of you. Thanks, Tyler. Most of it's made up, um, and there's definitely no more room in the house, so uh, you, you, you may not come and live with us. So there's that. But um, thanks for being, you guys are pretty cool, and thanks for being really nice. You guys have just wrapped your arms around our family um, as we moved from that wild, crazy country, England, more on that to come. And um, I, I just so appreciate you guys. Like, I, I look at several faces, and you've really impacted my family, my children, me and my wife. You've refreshed us, and you know who you are. And if you haven't done that yet, I'll give you my address. Wine, uh, scotch, anything is, is appropriate. You can drop it off at the door. Um, but I really mean that. And I wish, um, I wish uh, Chris and Meryl were here to hear that as well. I'd just like have you stand, give a big round of applause to them, because they've been amazing. They've been so, our relationship with them has been so meaningful. They, um, and, and in terms of our church back our church. It's, it's not really our church. We're, we're in this church now. We moved. But the church we were in in England, they were so instrumental in, in uh, discipling and training our leaders. Um, it was huge. It's massive, massive. I could go on and on. I've got the mic, so I, I might in a minute. But no. Uh, but they, they are incredible. They're, they're just incredible. You should pray for them. Pray for them every day. Um, lift them up. Honor them. Um, they've been really awesome. We just handed over the leadership of our church uh, back in England. Literally, the last Sunday was last Sunday. Crazy days, crazy times. And um, we were just praying before the meeting, and uh, Caton was leading us in prayer, and he just said, you know, mention something, you know, God's done for you. And I just said, I'm so, so grateful. I am so thankful. God has taken care of me. He has provided for me so much. That's my whole sermon. That's really all I got today. I'll probably read a scripture in a minute. He's been so, so good. I'm his son. He's my dad. He's done so much. And um, wow, he's good. So yeah, thanks for the privilege. We're going to get into the word um, here today. What are we doing? Uh, we're going to look at the compassion of Jesus. So uh, turn to Luke chapter 7. Um, this, is, this, is, this is a wonderful Wonderful revelation of the character of God, the compassion of Jesus. It's what we're going to think about today, this one thing, the compassion of Jesus. We're going to think about how this rescues us from being overwhelmed, um, how this restores us back into community, how this helps us be compassionate to other people. So we're just going to look into the face of the, the most beautiful human being, the most magnanimous, the most courageous, uh, the most, Song of Solomon calls him the most ruddy, the most, the most gorgeous man alive. You're going to look into his face, and, uh, and he's going to speak to you. And, that, and my hope and my expectation is just what we prayed, right? Prayer works, is that God's going to meet you and give you what you need today, give you a blessing. Yeah? We agreed? So stay in the room if that's what you want. If you're here for anything else, I don't, you know, I don't have it. I'm going to read these three verses here that just display a little bit of the compassion of the Lord. Where do I put things? I don't know. Luke 7, 11. This is God's Word. Um, verse, the, scripture number one, if you will. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a crowd went with him. 
And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said, don't weep. Then he came up and he touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. This amazing expression of the compassion of Jesus to a grieving woman. Scripture number two is in Luke 10. This time we see this man beaten and bruised and left for dead. And you know the story of the Good Samaritan. So I'll give you just a little, a little snippet, a little piece. Luke 10, and I'll pick it up in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. And the story goes on, and you know it well. And then I want to read to you a third scripture on the compassion of Jesus. And this is the prodigal son. You know this passage and its beauty and its detail and its tragedy and its remedy. And so I'll pick it up here in Luke 15. And in verse 20, man, you see God running. In, in verse 20, he arose. He came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And what was happening? He felt compassion. The prodigal, remember, squandered his dad's wealth on prostitutes. He just trashed the whole storehouse of his family's wealth. It's like he had slapped his dad in the face multiple times saying, I care nothing for you, just give me what's mine, and left and squandered it. It's pretty bad, right? Pretty bad, broken picture. And the time you see this image of God running, I mean, I mean, like, this is not proper, right? This kind of patriarchal figure just grabs, like, his clothing, just grabs these sheets up while the sun is a long way off. And compassion just makes him just, just race down the hillside. Compassion, compassion. So compassion is important because it's how God reaches us. It's important because compassion is how we reach other people. You won't get God because I'm going to stand and tell you a few things. I, I know I'm pretty cool. Thank you. I know you agree, but it's not, it doesn't work that way. Whatever I say is going to kind of fly away. But what God teaches you and what God shows you about His character, about His nature, will change you on the spot. You will be different, and you will treat people differently. You will lo love yourself differently when you see the eyes of this man look at you. When I was 18, I came to Jesus, had this just for a moment in time picture of the grace and the love of Jesus and just the amazing character of God in the face of Jesus just for a moment. And I just wept and wept and wept and wept. Doesn't have to be the same way you encounter God. But you know what? When you encounter Him, you probably have emotions involved. And things change. And you live life differently. And that's what happened to me at 18. 
Until that time, I just didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be married. I didn't want to have kids. I didn't, I didn't, I don't even know what business I wanted. I didn't know anything about the church. I didn't, but so much on the spot made sense when I saw those eyes just brighter than 10,000 sunshines. Oh, and I just wept. I think I wept so much junk out of me, probably 18 years of junk out of me. And then I started to cry. And just more and more, I started to laugh and laugh and laugh. And my stomach muscles just hurt so much after that experience of the Lord. It's just the love of the Lord. And He's been changing me every day, ever since. So I just want, I just want you to think about compassion with me, just, just for a moment. We, I promise you, we'll get back into, the, into a couple of these scriptures. But just think about compassion, because God talks about it a lot. Think about this. When I think about it, I just think about one moment. We had been in the States 14 years, went back to England. Everything worked so very well in so many ways in Houston for us. God gave us so much. He gave us these awesome couples, these leaders. He, he grew this church. He, we had such good friends, such family, baptisms. We went back to the UK in 2015, and I just knew it'd be just the same. It'd be great. God had add a team. Things would be happening, shaking and baking, and it didn't. And I went thinking I was the man and I had a plan, and it just didn't work that way. And it was one of those moments in my life that was a, basically a massive humbling, same word, humiliation. And nothing really happened. I didn't feel authority. I didn't have friends. I, I looked around for months and months and months. It turned into a year, and months and months turned into two years. I was like, God, I, I, I don't, where, where's that same church planning team, the friendships? It wasn't happening. The money was going down. Couldn't find work. I didn't understand things culturally. I'd been in the, in the great nation of Texas so long, and you go back to England, things are like, yes, a little different. I mean, it's stressful. You go back to England, you're trying to park the car. There's no space to park cars in England. Then you read stuff. It's like a different language. There's just so many inferences. Texas is like, don't park here. England, it's like, you know, don't park if it's a Monday, if it's between two and four, do this. If it's like a full moon, maybe don't. And I just like crying, trying to park the car. And then, and then he has the stories for another time, but it's just hard. And for two years, I end up walking the hills around the city, and eventually I cry from way down in here. Oh, God. Nobody gives a rip about my voice and my story. I have no pulpit, no ministry, no team. I have nothing but you. And I start to listen to my own prayers. I start to realize I need nothing but you. I need you again. Even walking with God and looking like I'm supposedly some capable dude, and you can believe the facade if you want, but God starts to teach me the basics again. I, I, want, I need an encounter with Him. And that's what I had. And I remember reading it in Luke 21, Jesus teaching me again, be on your guard. Remember when He was teaching His disciples, be on your guard so that your hearts won't be weighed down. He wasn't interested in this capable guy and these big strategies and, and plans. He was interested in a son finding his father and that relationship of love. 
And God did so much for me. And my heart began to break and become so much more compassionate for the people around me. And it was in those moments that I found new friendships when all I had to say to Josh and to Catherine and to Jonathan and to Jackie and to Nigel and to Janine, people that are so lovely to me, lovely to me, different in so many ways. All I had to say was, I am a fool and I know nothing, but I know God is near. And those, those lifelong friendships were forged. And God planted a church in the midst of that crazy guy who just lost his strength, but found again the compassionate, gentle, available tenderness of Jesus that never leaves, that never goes, who never just rolls his eyes, never clicks his teeth, never left me. He always walked with me, but I was a little blind to it. What do you think about when you think about compassion? I just, well, just think, what do you, what do you see? There, there was a flood uh, in, in, in England, in the Midlands, where, wherever, it doesn't matter. It was a bad flood. This elderly guy is driving his car, and the water is coming up, and it's going over the window. And I think about human compassion, and I remember that, and it was all in the news in England, and a bunch of guys just kind of made this human chain and just, just extended out into the water, and eventually, I mean, it's a beautiful story, right? Eventually rescue this elderly guy, pull him out of the car, and it just touches the whole community. Do you have, do you have stories, things that you remember when you think about compassion, human compassion? I got one more recently when, when Dana loaned me Mr. Darcy, and if you don't know who Mr. Darcy is, you're about to. It is the car of all cars, he is the beast. Is he still running? He's kind of elderly. He's going? Okay. So she loans us the car. I mean, that's compassion on its own. Crazy family, you know, comes in from England. And the battery went out. And so as any uh, intelligent human being would do, you, you wheel the vehicle down to the shop. So I check Google Maps, right? It's the right thing to do. It's only a mile away. And so Harry and I, my oldest son, we're wheeling this vehicle down the road and I don't know if it was a quarter of a mile into the wheeling thing down the road, or maybe it was 100 yards. Soon, into the wheeling of the vehicle a mile down the road, I realized this is not done. This is, this is, this is, this is not what you do. <laughs> and I'm out the car, I'm pushing it. You know how hard it is to jump back into a car and put the brakes on at a red light, and then jump back out of a car, risking life and limb, and you start, like, moving this thing, and Mr. Darcy's, he's, he's kind of heavy. And it's like, it's, there's no more green light. It's, it's like getting ready to go back to red, and you're just trying to push. And so many people just kind of pulled up beside us out of compassion, you know, probably like real red face. <laughs> They're worried about Harry, I'm sure. I, I work out, so I'm, I know that. And, and just loads of compassionate people. I thought this probably wouldn't happen in England. You know, you'd probably, these people would drive by and be like, I'm a bit tough on England. I'm going to stop there with the, with the harsh England beatdown because people are watching. But, uh, but here, the Californians, they're just lovely people. They don't, they don't necessarily, not many of them actually get out the car, but they kind of stop. You okay? You need anything? One or two did. I think there's a church down the road. God bless them. And, and they got out, and someone's pushing. Someone is like driving slowly behind us, uh, just making sure nobody drives into us. It's my story of compassion, okay? Let's just leave it there. But when, what do you think about when you think about compassion? It's just, a, it's just a wonderful human thing. But let's get to the word. Let's do this. 
there's something more wonderful here than human compassion. There's something totally different than any of your stories or my stories of the kindness of, of human beings. There's something that's way beyond that, something totally different. And it's something startling, and it's something that'll change you on the spot, stop you in your tracks, just change the way you do stuff, change the way you say things. The Jesus kind of compassion in these verses is where we find how God is radically, emotionally, intimately, physically, thoroughly moved from within. God, in the person of Jesus, moved from within out of love and unwavering, unending care for people. And you see the Scriptures teach He had compassion. Jesus saw the woman grieving, and He could not, He could not Do you ever say this about God, that He can't do something? I guess you do. There's no way He can say, eh, she's grieving. It doesn't happen. It's never happened from forever and ever. Jesus is moved with compassion, and He goes, and you know the story, changes her life. And in the story of the prodigal, He's moved with compassion. This is God. He cannot let the kid who squandered everything just keep walking from far away. But this is the never-changing God who made the universe and gives you every single breath. He had to pull up those coat skirts, what do you call them, and run and throw his arms around the prodigal. And I just just want to lean in for a moment into this word compassion in the story of Lazarus. Because Jesus so loves the family. And you know that story where he's there. And you know that, that, that tiny little brief phrase where it says Jesus wept. Jesus, loving the family of Lazarus so deeply, so longingly, so thoroughly, so fully that he can't do anything else but weep. And the word there, kleo, to weep, It is not good enough to say he wept because the Greek kleo is where he really felt for the family and really, really wept from deep in here. It's a deep, deep cry. Jesus, who knows he's about to call Lazarus out of the tomb, you would think, I would think if I'm Jesus, oh, this is going to be awesome. Everyone's crying over there, but watch this. This is going to be really good. But apparently God's not, He's not like me. He must feel for the family. And you see in these small details of Jesus' life, this this Savior, and before He raises Him from the dead, before the great victory over death and the grave comes, He has to feel with the family. He has to cry. And then we read this other word here. This is what I'm getting into the Scriptures. You've got to have a little bit of Greek. It's not good enough to read. He had compassion because it just won't do. You've got to have the Savior today. And what you get in this passage here with Lazarus is this word. As Jesus is weeping, the, the, the expressive phrase is embrimomai, which means Jesus snorts like an animal. Jesus, okay, stop having clean, tidy church, right? Jesus is there with the family, 
and just has to, from the depths of his being, be himself. And he's weeping. Ugh. And he's so, at the same time as feeling the grief of the family, so despises the hell and the grave that he is expressing the true nature of God, right? He's the exact representation of God the Father, Hebrews chapter 1. If you want more Greek, he's the character. Start it with a K. It's the character of God. It's where we get the word character from. He's the exact representation of the Father. When the disciples come and say, show us the Father, he's like, that's all it is. And you get imbrimomai. Un, like there's no propriety. There is nothing tidy. When I was 18 and I saw that revelation of the love and the compassion of God for me, and I cried, there was so much junk. I mean, I didn't even have a cold. It was just so much phlegm. And it's just going down my shirt, and I didn't care. And I'm so in love with Jesus, I don't mind telling you how much. I still don't care. <laughs> and he's here, and he snorts. I'm not even going to do an impression. That's up to you and your creativity. Embrimomai. He snorts like an animal because he cannot stand death. And what does he do? Take those grave clothes off, my boy. Come out. And you see all the whole package. You see all of the character and the nature of God. And so you see this word, and this is your Greek word of the day, compassion, and it is splugnitsomai. Comes from the, the root splugna. I know you like your Greek. I can see you making lots of notes. If you're not, start now. Splagnitsomine. It's used 12 times in the Gospels. And here's the deal. It's, just, it's why I showed up today to tell you this. It's, it's, it, as a good Englishman, I read the Bible and it says, he had compassion. However, I'm now dangerous because I've read a little more deeply. And it is not this British man's, he had compassion, you know, or... <laughs> Picture your Englishman with a really grand kind of mustache, you know, there's wax, you know, it's a glass of port so small by English measures, you'd barely anything in the glass. I promised I'd stop. And he's smoking a pipe, no doubt, and he sees something devastating. The British man of propriety says a word like, hmm, pity. And it's just so disgustingly proper, right? But, you know, America's kind of similar. Sorry, so I'm going to get on your case too. We say he had compassion on them. This just nothing like the Greek. It's nothing like snorting like an animal. It's nothing like moved from within your bowels. So you see this word, splagnitsomai. Anyone? Perfect, first time. And it means to be moved with pity, with a deep, from the deep inward parts. It means, it refers to the bowels of a person, splagna. These parts here are the entrails. They're the intestines. They're the, I know, I just look, I'm just giving you the Bible, don't gross out. It's the deepest parts of a person. You are not just, just the hair on your head. You know, there's depth to you. God is reaching these inward parts and he's showing you the real you as you look at the Savior. And he is beautiful. 
And he has moved for you and has always been moved whenever you have had trouble or anxiety or grief or the loss of a relationship or cried over a family member or suffered loss. He has felt it from deep in the intestines, the splagna. And he's in our midst, changing you on the spot, changing your life. He's the sacred man in our midst here. It's the compassion of Jesus. And so these are the deepest parts of a person from which love and emotions and anger rise. You ever use that phrase like, I'm going to go with my gut on this one? It's because you know you're thinking deeply about something. You know you're, you're working something through from the real person, the real you, that, that soul, you know, that, that you, where you know it in your knower place. And this is what we find here. And this is the nature of God, the compassion of the infinite, the transcendent, almighty God, the representative of God, the man of God in our midst, just the one who's co-equal with God, light of light, beginning and end, the eternal one who made you and I, who looks after the whole universe right now. And so I asked you, what do you think about compassion a minute ago? And I wanted you to think about stuff that didn't quite feel enough. I know those guys made that chain, that human chain out to get the elderly man out of the car. It was okay. It was pretty cool. But, you know, guys get sucked into that because there's bravado too. And there's all of your, your selfishness mixed up with it. And everyone's kind of in the river. So I kind of don't want to be the guy, you know, out here. And I'll just, I'll just go. And, and it, we're a whole mix. We're, we're a whole frail mess. But not the Savior. Not the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who loves you and ravishes you with an unending love. So don't make the mistake of confusing your and my, excuse me, shallow, impatient, capricious, finishing, finite, forgetful compassion with His. His is something else. He is a lover. And they love so, so well. So well. Read in the Gospels, Jesus moved with compassion. It's saying his gut is torn open, wrenched. In the Hebrew, there's this word for, for compassion. It's rahuim. And it's a, it's, the Hebrew is a beautiful, expressive language. It's the deep. It's about a deep, powerful sensation, a deep movement within the womb of God himself where all of his gentleness, his tenderness lie hidden, where he is your father, he is your family, he is nearness, he is everything. And so what the Gospels are teaching us here is that the source of all life shakes, quakes, tremors, his tenderness broken open when he sees you and I or anyone else struggle. So what am I go, where, where, where am I going with this? What am I going to say? What's the application for, for you and I? I? Again, when we were, we were praying earlier, this idea came up as we were praying that when we gather, we, we can't just get in, into an academic teaching. Don't be the guy or the girl just sat in the pew thinking, I want to learn another fact. You have an invitation from the Savior who never changes, 
to come and apprentice under this incredible man, Jesus. Wherever you've been and whatever has happened, whatever you've done, the invitation is the same for men and women, every tribe, every tongue, every continent, every generation, across the ages, come to me. Come to me. If you're weary, come. Give me your weariness. Come and learn from me. My burden is light. I'll deal with any situation in your life. I'll talk to you about anything that's going on. You don't want to pray? I am not put off because I stand next to my Father and I pray for you night and day. Satan came along. He wanted to sift Peter like wheat. Not entirely sure what that is, but it's bad. (laughs) Whatever satanic forces against you, You know the response of the Lord who never changes, Father God, get my boy out of this. There is no part of the conversation between the Father and the Son that says, you know, Peter is, you know, know, the the thing denied you, you know, he's kind of chopping ears off at times, fell asleep in the garden of Gethsemane, major event in the Gospels. Jesus is only looking into the cup of God's wrath, sweating blood, and someone snoring against a tree. I mean, it's bad, right? It's bad. And Jesus says, in effect, my paraphrase, that's my guy. He will be in my family, and the forces of darkness will not prevail against him. Actually, I'm going to build my church on my boy. That's what God says to you today. I want you in my family, dead straight. Nothing made up, nothing imported from England, not an American gospel, those beautiful eyes, 10,000 sunshines, look you square in the face today, and they say, I want you in my family, I want you whole, I want you experiencing my love, I have never looked away when you have struggled, I have never ever been impatient with you, I don't know how to do that, I have never stopped ravishing you with my love. You may have forgotten, and I never did. I was forgiving you every moment, washing you in my blood. Your conscience is washed in my blood. I mean, this is just the Bible, guys. I'm not making it up. It's not a distant prophecy. Sacred man in the midst of the church. The love of the Lord. You know, people sometimes ask me these questions like, you know, what's your great tactic for, you know, raising a bunch of kids? You know, what, you know, what's, what's this is so good about? I say marriage, you know, family life. God's had us involved in church planning and, and business. I just do not have this lengthy list of principles. Go and do this, do that. I've lovingly looked into the face of Jesus. It's, it's everything to me. And my wife is the most wonderful of all women. It may be a surprise for you to know she's a little bit imperfect at times. Only at times. Other than that, pretty much perfect. You do not husband out of some conference you went to, out of how well your wife's doing, whether she's, you decide she's deserving or not. You go as a husband to your husband, the groom, your father, And you get filled up with the love of the Lord. You do not parent because you read a book on parenting and you had a few ideas. My kids are amazing, but there have been a couple of moments. Let me go into those for a little while. Just kidding. 
You parent because you go to your parent. How do you deal with business problems? You go to the designer of all business, and you get busy about the father's business, and you find solutions that are most incredible. God will solve your problems. He will heal your heart, forgive your sin, and he will fill your weary heart with the compassion of all compassion, the love of the Lord, the love of the Lord. Skip down a few things. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to close here with a couple of final thoughts. I don't want to hurry along because I, I don't want you to have like a package teaching. I want you to be with the Lord. And that's only possible out of the goodness and the mercy of God that still, at the end of the message, changes not. So I just want to get, I'm not asking you to like close your eyes and, you know, bow your head or anything. I just want you to have a moment with the Lord right now. When you read the Bible and you hear teaching, it's great to make notes for Monday, but we're, we are changed on the spot. This is where it happens right now. So I just want to urge you, just be with the Lord for a moment. And if you're carrying a whole big bag just anxious worry. Do I even need to say what to do? Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There's literally nothing else in the instructions. Don't straighten things up. Don't go work harder and do stuff. Come. What are you doing? You're going to look to the Lord. So just look to the Lord for, for a moment. You're heavy with sin? So that would be every human being here at times, right? And you don't need to go and murder a bunch of people on a Sunday to be that. You just need to be your snappy, self-centered self doing that, you know. And it's just not the love of the Lord. Whatever it is, you give it to the Lord anything. Do that now. Just meet with the Lord for a moment. Just don't hurry. Don't lose the moment. Just be with God right in your seat. Practice it if you don't do it. If you've never done it before, it's yours in full measure. Tenderness goodness of God. love us to, to have the opportunity to pray for some of you guys that 
that you want to receive prayer, you want to know the compassion of God. God gives gifts to his church, gifts of healing. He gives gifts of, gift of miracles. He gives, I, f- I find the Lord give me gifts of faith sometimes. I just know that I know that I know. I know he gives gifts to you guys. And so I guess we could, I guess we could just have a worshipful moment and... Um, you know if you're, if you're part of the team here that, you know, prays and Sam will call you up. But I want to have an opportunity for us to pray for anyone that wants to experience the compassion of God. He will not fail you. He will meet you where you are. And I love these moments where there's nothing. I know these guys are about to play, but I love these moments where it just has to be God. There's no keyboard playing. There's no one flapping around you and kind of like pushing you over, like, come on. There's no one like making a weird holy face, you know, and kind of chewing the lips or whatever happens. It's like you and God. I love those moments. Let it be awkward. Man, the love of the Lord, Jesus. Lord, I just... Just left with this moment to pray and thank you that you meet us. Lord, you're the mighty God. And you're so near to us as well. You, Lord, at the same time as being so mighty, you tell the oceans you can come this far and no further, but you're, you're the tender and gentle Savior. You're, you're with the mountain goat who gives birth on the hills. You're so interested in your creation. You clothe the lilies of the field. How much more do you wrap us up? You, you take Joseph's coat. You put it around us, a coat of many colors. You call us beautiful, Lord. Oh, I love the way you love me. I love your love, O oh Lord. There's nothing like your love. There's no, no one like you, Lord. Your compassion. Oh, God. Let us see your face a little bit more clearly, a bit more brightly again, and let us encounter your ravishing and tender love, O Lord, and let us be changed right now. Lord, let us love others with that tender compassion. O Lord, Lord, you fed the sparrow today. He didn't go hungry. He had his worm. How much more do you... You just put food on the table, Lord. You put us in family. You know every hair on our head. You know the struggle of tomorrow, Lord. We're going to stop stressing about it. Stop carrying it like our shoulders are built to carry all those worries. We're going to give it to you now, Lord. And we're going to enjoy the compassion and the love of our God, the sacred man in our midst, the Savior who's here and who is near. Oh, Lord, we love you. Bless us, Lord. Fill us up. Let's just give thanks. I get our hand over to you guys to lead us in worship. And if we could pray for you to just ask God to touch your life with the compassion of God. Maybe you just need an answer to prayer. Let's just let the Lord lead. He'll speak how he wants to speak. Come on up. We'll pray. Love you guys. Bless you. God give you compassion and grace. Amen.